renovations may come and renovations may go, but there's not much they can do for me anymore. But keep working on it. Um, today I want to talk to you about walking with God. Uh, I've got a couple of, couple of tracks that I want to go down, but I want to, I want to focus in on Philippians 3, verse 16, and I'm reading from verse 12 of the New King James Bible version. It's found on page 952 of, of the Pew Bibles that you have in front of you. It's, uh, it's talking about a lifestyle. And the Apostle Paul, continuing on from what Pastor Mark said earlier, the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And here's the key passage. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Thank you, Lord, for the words that the Apostle Paul gives us today. Yes, part of this message is about those of us who have walked with the Lord for some time. But I know that in a gathering of this size, there are people that are searching, looking for the answers in life that haven't already been persuaded, uh, have not been able to, uh, to make a decision yet. And I think perhaps some of you were like I was. I settled into a routine. I settled into a routine in my devotional life, and uh, my wife and I sort of settled into a routine in our marriage. We just did things the way we do things, and we kept on doing just the same way. And then, for us, uh, God, uh, God uh, came through wonderfully well. Last winter was kind of a long and a hard winter, uh, for us at least, and uh, we needed to reevaluate a few things in our marriage, and uh, Pam and I decided to, uh, to take a Bible study together, and it was to deal with some of the issues that were pressing in on us and, and uh, weighing on our minds, and so we started this study. And you know, that sameness of the wedding routine seemed to melt away as we read God's Word, read the teachings from the teacher, and, and best of all, we talked. We talked again. And that sort of spread from what we were doing in our marriage to what I needed to do with, with the Lord, too. You know, it was more than just reading my scripture, having my morning prayer, and then getting on with the day, because regrettably, I have to admit, that's what it got to at that point. And so I asked God to do some heart surgery on me and... Uh, and I'm still in that process, but I'm digging deeper and I'm trying to draw closer to him and I'm trying to draw closer to my wife and it's all coming together, but it's coming together slowly and that's okay because it took a long time for me to move from here to here and now I've got to get back to where I want to be, in the center of God's will and in the middle of a 
a really strong and growing marriage relationship, which was always strong and growing, but make it deeper and better. And then I thought, walking, walking with God. It simply means having a godly lifestyle. And so that's what I want to look at today. The promise of Christ is that he's coming back. But we're on a journey. We're on a journey. This isn't our destination yet. We're on a journey that is going to continue until he calls us home or he comes down to take us home with us. I don't know when that is, but we know from Scripture that something like that is going to happen one way or the other. And so we, we have to be ready. And I, I don't want there to be any hesitation between Jesus and me when we do meet. I, I, I want to, I, I want to be, have him in my heart. I, I want to say, just like friends that I meet that I went to school with that I haven't seen for a long time, it seems like you can just start talking like you were together yesterday and you continue the conversation. And that's what I want for myself. And I believe that's what all of us as, as mature believers in Jesus Christ want. We want that close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So how then should we prepare ourselves for the return of Christ? And we should respond, as the apostle says, by the one word, walk. Walk with Jesus. And one example I can give from the Old Testament of someone who walked with Jesus was Enoch, the Old Testament prophet who walked faithfully with God, Genesis 5 and 24. This phrase, to walk with God, is a metaphor, descriptor, to describe that godly lifestyle that I've already spoken about. It's like saying, if you're going to walk with somebody, you must go in the same direction and have some of the same, same goals and, and, and ideas as they do. You know, I've heard uh, that uh, people say that golf, I am not a golfer. My sister and my brother are, and I'm not, so maybe I'm adopted. I don't know, but they say if you want to get to know somebody, play a round of golf with them, and you'll see a lot of the character of that person. I say, if you want to know somebody, take time out and go for a walk with them. A walk down the street, or even better yet, a walk along the river valley. It seems that when you step out of the busyness of today's lifestyle, and the two of you just walk along and talk, you get into sync with one another. You understand one another better. And hopefully, you get to like each other more than you did before the walk started. That's what God wants of us. He wants us to walk with him. And so walk with Jesus means, number one, to go in God's direction. Some of you may ask, why should I, why should I do that? And my answer comes in two parts. And I want to make sure I get this right. So I've written it down. Number one. God's way is clearly marked. The teachings of Jesus Christ are clearly spelled out in, in the Bible. So we don't have to go on a big mission to find them. It's right here, dear friends. Right here in God's word to us. And number two, God is always giving his way as the best way. That doesn't mean it's always the easiest way, but it's the best way. And sometimes walking with God can be comfortable and sometimes it can be difficult. That's because we're so used to 
doing things their own way. And particularly if you're a guy, my wife reminds me of this regularly, trying to fix things is a man's disease. And she's had to say to me many times, you don't have to fix anything, but I want you to hear me when I say this sort of thing. I think that resonates with a lot of, a lot of us guys. So walking with Jesus means to go in his direction. Walking with Jesus also means to move at God's pace or his speed. If you're going to walk with somebody, you can't yell at them if they're way ahead of you. You can't yell back over your shoulder if they're behind you. You can't get too far ahead. You cannot get too far behind. God's pace is always a, pre, a, a, a deliberate one, but it's a predetermined one. He knows what we need, when we need it, and he knows how to deliver it when we need it. You have already heard me say, don't get too far ahead of God. Don't fall too far behind him. Try to walk with him. Sometimes he's going to say, do this or go there, and it's going to be difficult. But I know from my own experience, when God says, come over here, I have something better for you. He does. I was fortunate enough to go to school after I retired from the bank. I was fortunate enough to go to seminary after I retired from the bank. And I was fortunate enough, my first, uh, first job in ministry after seminary was six years, pardon me, <coughs> six years at the Mustard Seed, an inner, an inner city street church that shouldn't have worked for me at all. Middle age, middle class, white guy, going down to the inner city of Edmonton. What was supposed to be a four months internment became a six year best job of my life gig. So God has a different, a, a, a deliberate, pardon me, a deliberate and a determined pace. But he also has a pace that changes with circumstances. Sometimes God will ask us to walk a little slower, to really take it in, what he's asking us to do. And sometimes he'll say, you've got that, let's move along. Let's move on to something that you need right now. And sometimes he'll say, let's sit at the road, sit at the side of the road and talk a little bit. We need, to, we need to draw closer on this thing. And walking with Jesus also means making progress. This is a simple but basic truth. You cannot walk without moving. So walking with God begins with the first step. Excuse me for a minute. I hope that'll lose the lisp. Walking with Jesus means taking that first step. For many of us, our first step is when we said, yes, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Yes, I accept your sacrificial death for my sins. Yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. But that's not the end of the journey. That's just the beginning. And walking with Jesus means making progress. It's a simple but it's basic truth. You cannot walk without moving. So walking with God means moving along at the pace that he determines. And for me and for you, those are different paces. And those are different paces at different days. And those are different paces at different times of the day too. 
None of us would follow a guide into unfamiliar territory if we didn't have faith that they knew where they were taking us and that they knew how to get us back out of the swamp if that's where we stumbled into. We cannot take the first step and then stop. We have to keep walking daily. Walking with Jesus is a lifetime of taking steps. Walking with Jesus means that we are growing in our faith and enriching our lives. Walking with Jesus means we're sharing intimate, personal, deep, heartfelt thoughts. Why do we uh, get together most times and people say, how are you doing? And we're all just great. And every day is not a good day for any of us. We need someone that we can talk to and say, darn, I'm having, I'm having a problem right now. I'm really wrestling with this issue or this whatever, whatever. Jesus is right here beside us. He wants to hear that. He knows what the problem is. Come on, he made us. He created us. He knows who we are. And we need to, even in our prayer lives, sometimes get away from the mighty things where we worship God, we're sorry for what we've done, but please, God, give us whatever, whatever, whatever. God, I'm really having a problem with my boss. Like, this person just doesn't like me, and I, I hate going to work. God, The bills are coming in, and I'm not ready for them. Please, end of the month, come. Or God, someone that is very near and dear to me is not doing very well right now. They may be sick, or they may be lost in spiritual wilderness. God, I'm not doing very well. I'm out in the spiritual darkness somewhere, and I, I, I'm not happy, and I'm not comfortable, and I need your help. God, can we talk? Can we talk? And Jesus says, yes, I've been waiting for you to come. I've been waiting for you to ask that question. He says, here's how we're going to deal with this. It's always us. Sometimes we're ashamed to go to God because we've missed it somehow. We've done something wrong. And uh, if you know me at all, you know that... Uh, I enjoy the game of Canadian football. Uh, I know the World's Cup was just over and the Europeans amongst us will say, that's not football. You throw the ball, you carry it with your hands. Call it handball, call it what it is. But anyway, football. Uh, if you've been in Edmonton for any time at all, you may remember the names of Hank Lessig, the punter, they called him Thunderfoot, and Hugh Campbell, the coach of the five in a row Grey Cup champion Edmonton Eskimos. Hank was called up to play with the Eskimos when he was still in high school. He had such a tremendous ability that he was called up early as a young man. And he told the story that one of his early games with the Eskimos, he muffed the kick. He just really muffed it. And he walked back to the uh, sidelines, head down, and Hugh Campbell came up beside him and said, you're better than that last one. You'll do better on the next one. Don't give up. Keep going. And, of course, Hank did. And, of course, Hugh did, too. Sometimes a good coach gives you the strokes. Sometimes a good coach 
like Glenn Sather and Paul Coffey, gives you the boot, calls you to task, and says you got to do something. That's what Jesus is doing. Sometimes he's saying, yeah, you're on the right track. We're doing well. Sometimes he says, stop. What are you doing? Why are you talking like that? Why are you so defeated? Let's talk. And walking with Jesus promises arrival at a destination. That story of Enoch walking with God has a unique and very special ending. The rest of Genesis chapter 5, verse 24 reads as this, Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him. God took him away. Happened twice in the Bible. Once with Enoch, once with Elijah. They never went through the doorway of death to promote on to heaven. They were taken directly to heaven, but the rest of us have to stay on our journey. The rest of us have to go through that doorway of death to get our promotion to glory. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ died for our sins. But he is Jesus Christ, God the Son. And he rose again, and he is resurrected, and he's with the Father in heaven. And he promised us that he's coming back to take those of us who love him and serve him and follow him to go and be with him for glory. Jesus Christ knows what we're going through. Jesus Christ knows that our end of life's journey is going to be walking through the doorway of death. And I am doing some visitation on behalf of the congregation and in my own life. And uh, I'm talking and meeting with people who are, in some cases, nearing the end of their journey. For some people, it's a, it's a peaceful thing. They're ready. They want to go. They say, take me home, Lord. I'm, I'm ready. And there are others that are frightened, quite frankly. Six months ago, uh, I was asked to perform a wedding ceremony for a friend of mine who was getting married uh, again. Uh, it was just a little ceremony in his, in his home, his beautiful acreage home out in, in Devon. Big, strong, burly guy, and he was full of life and happy. Well, not even a month ago, I got a phone call from the same guy, and I could hardly hear him on the phone. His voice was so weak. He says, I've been told I have esophageal cancer, stage four. There's nothing they can do for it. And I don't know where it came from, and I'm scared. And he wants to talk some more. And so I will be talking with that guy. He asked me to do the wedding, and I said, sure I will, but I don't do God light. I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about how God instituted the sacrament of marriage. He said, that's what, I, that's what I want. That's good. That's good. So there's an opening there for a guy that six months ago was on top of the world and now is sort of at the bottom of the hill looking up saying, I don't know what's ahead. The story of Good Friday and the story of resurrection are the stories that we can hold on to as believers down here right now. We serve a Savior. Who knows, like, who knows us? He knows what we're like, and he knows what we're feeling because he's had those same feelings. Please, God, if it be your will, let this pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Hughes paraphrase. 
And I'm telling you, the beginning of walk with Jesus will take you on a journey that will end with you being in heaven with Jesus and Enoch and Elijah and those of our family and friends who have gone on before us. That's all good theology. That's walking with Jesus. But God created us because he's a social being too. He loves fellowship. And he wants a relationship with us. And that's why he created us. And so I want to bring it down to the human level now from my own perspective. Um, Many years ago when I was a young banker, I was uh, fortunate enough to be transferred to the Bahamas. And uh, a bunch of the staff uh, of the bank, one Sunday afternoon, went out to a beach party. And uh, I uh, started to talk to a girl there that I had had met in the bank. And we decided to go for a walk along the beach. And it wasn't just because she was the prettiest girl on the beach that I wanted to walk with her. But I'll be honest, I started off thinking that. But as we walked, I found a wholesomeness in this girl that I hadn't encountered before. And I wanted to know more. And I wanted to know more. And so we began to walk and talk. After we came home from the beach, we began to walk and talk. And the rest, as they say, is history. In September, we're going to be married 45 years, Pam and I. And it started with a walk on the beach. And we're still growing in our relationship. I don't know how many of you do this as couples, but. Pam and I have started kneeling down at the side of our bed at night and having our prayers together. We do our Bible study together uh, in the day, but it's a nice way to finish off the day, husband and wife together. But not all of you (coughs) have life's partners. Some of you are single, and uh, that doesn't mean you're out of the picture. God doesn't want us to be alone. And I want to tell another story about a walk. I moved back to Edmonton, and Pam came with me in 1983. And that year, I joined a group of men from the West Meadows Baptist Church for a layman's retreat down in Camp Caroline. It was a weekend of men together and praying and hearing the word and enjoying God's creation. And they drew names out of a hat for prayer partners. And my name came out of a hat and then Ron's name came out of a hat. Ron and I went together to church together at West Meadows. It was strictly from God that the two of us had our names drawn together. And so we were to be prayer partners that weekend at Camp Caroline, out in the, out in the, out in the, in the woods, out in God's beautiful creation. And we agreed that uh, <clears throat> this was a good thing, that we should keep it going. And Ron and I, were prayer partners and acted as prayer partners every week with very few exceptions. Even when he was at holidays in Nova Scotia, we would get together either face-to-face or on the phone and we would encourage one another and we would pray together. That continued for 30 years until Ron went and moved away to Kelowna. 
45 years walking with the girl that I walked with on the beach, 30 years of walking with Ron that I walked with out in Camp Caroline, talking about God, walking with God. They have enriched me immeasurably. And if you haven't found somebody that you can share like that, pray for God to give you that person. Give you that person where you can talk and meet. I am fortunate that I have buddies, and one in particular, that something happens in my life, I can phone them up and say, I need prayer. This is what's happening. Or I need help. And, and this buddy will come, and he will pray with me, and he will help me. Getting back to Ron, Ron was very handy around the house at fixing things, and I'm not. And many, many times I heard Pam say, I wish you were handy like Ron. <laughs> Just about as many times as I heard Pam say, why did you bring me to this cold, cold country? <laughs> Every winter I get that. But anyway, we're talking. You know, sometimes it's encouraging, sometimes it's disciplining, but always it's loving. And because we've been doing this for so long, we don't, we don't uh, hurt each other. And so I thank God for prayer partners today, and I encourage you to find, uh, find uh, one if you, if, you, if you haven't already. And I suggest you start at home and move up from that. So as, as I conclude today, I want to ask you, are you wandering through life? Is it sort of kind of a, not a lazy fare, not, not, very not very deliberate, not very determined. Just stop and think for a moment. You're not alone. Jesus is right there beside you. He wants that relationship with you, and that's the one you start with first. Please, Jesus, what do I do? Please, Jesus, come and talk to me. Please, Jesus, tell me what I need to hear right now. And I think that you will find that a little walk, a walk along the beach, a walk through the woods with somebody can very easily become that somebody who becomes an intimate prayer partner with you. And so I want to invite Pastor Mark and the worship team to come up. And while they're coming, I was asked to do a eulogy for Ron at his funeral a few years ago. And I'm reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting with verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. And it ends with this verse. And the threefold cord is not quickly broken. And the threefold cord is not quickly broken. Three folds. Jesus, you, and your partner. And I pray, dear Lord, that you will just draw closer to each one of us and reinforce in our hearts and our minds the value of relationship, the value of sharing intimately with somebody that we can trust and that we know loves us and that we can share the same love and trust with them, Lord. Thank you for today. Amen.